Stream, we're going through this series that I've entitled, right from the scriptures, The Treasures of Darkness. God doing things in a time where we might think to ourselves, I just don't understand what God's doing. Why is the Lord allowing these things to happen? And today we come to way back in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter number 19. And if you have your Bibles there, we're going to look at a couple verses that may not necessarily be in your outline that you have. And, and uh, when I look at the book of Exodus, just to give you a little bit of a background here as we get into chapter 19, the children of Israel, of course, had been uh, led down into Egypt's land. They were in bondage for 430 years. Now think about that. Bondage, oppression, uh, things were not easy for them, but nonetheless... Because God allowed that to happen, they were there for a long, long time, 430 years. And as, as that time nears the end, God called a man by the name of Moses to deliver the people of God from Egypt's land. Now, think about it. God used Moses, but it wasn't Moses that delivered the people. It was God that delivered the people. If you really want to look at the bottom line, because God was using Moses, and this morning we're going to look at the life of Moses a little bit in the message today, but while they were there and while Moses was trying to deal with this very stiff-necked and stubborn man by the name of Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt at that time, God, remember as you read in the Old Testament, God sends the plagues into Egypt, and there were so many of those that happened, and listen, uh, there was no mistake, this was not magic. It was the power of God that was working. And as a result of that, we see that even in the end of those plagues, that God institutes something that the Jewish people, even to this day, still observe, and that is the Passover. What was the Passover? Remember, as the death angel passed by, if they applied the blood to the doorpost, the angel would pass over them, and there wouldn't be a death. And, of course, there were many... Uh, young children that died in that day, many firstborns that died. But what I think about the Passover, and this is the way the Jewish people still today, it's really a, a great sign of God's grace and how it was revealed in redemption, how God redeemed them, how God delivered them during this particular time. So the children of Israel, what did they do? They finally leave Egypt's land, and God led them during the day and by night and he brought them to a body of water called the Red Sea. Now, I hate to, 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 some people think they're so smart, they call it the Reed Sea. They act like it was only like ankle deep water. But this was a bona fide sea that was very deep, very tough to cross. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, how do you attribute that Pharaoh's entire army drowned in about a foot of water? I'd say there was quite a bit of water there. But God led them to the Red Sea, and then the Bible says, watch this, try this sometimes, God parted the waters. God held the waters back as his children walked across on dry ground. I mean, listen, we, we have sprinklers. A lot of you probably have sprinklers if you have a house. And uh, I was out in my yard yesterday doing some things in my house, our sprinklers run, I get up very early in the morning, and the sprinklers have already run and shut off. So it had been from probably 4 or 5 in the morning, maybe earlier than that, and here it was about 5 or 6 o'clock, maybe some 
plus hours later, I'm walking across the side of my yard and there's still water. I'm walking through water. It, it hadn't even dried up. God dried up the Red Sea so that they could walk across on dry ground. The entire nation of Israel came out of that Red Sea experience. And then the Bible records that they wandered in the wilderness for a, a period of about two months. And I love this, that while they were in the wilderness, God furnished a table for them while they were in the wilderness. He provided for them every step of the way. Has God provided for you in your life? Because God took care of them while they were in that wilderness journey. And here they are now in Exodus chapter number 19. That brings us up to where we are today. That they had made it right up to the foot of what is called Mount Sinai. Now most of us know Exodus 20. That's where Moses received the law from God. Entering into a new period. And oftentimes we make much of the Ten Commandments. By the way, those commandments have been removed from the courthouses. And they've been disregarded. But the, the reality is, when you study the Bible, there are actually 614 commandments that God has given, not just 10, but nonetheless, if we don't obey the 10, we're not going to obey the other 610 and, 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 uh, or 4 or whatever it is. But think about this. They come to Mount Sinai. Why did they come to Mount Sinai? To receive instructions from God. And I want you to look at chapter 19. Look what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says... Uh, here in Exodus 19 and verse number 1, in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God. Think about that. Moses went up to God. And the Bible says, The Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. So let me just stop here for a moment. Moses go, comes up into the presence of God, and the Lord God says to him, I want you to go tell my people what I'm about to tell you. Can I say this morning that I hold the words of God in my hand today? And what I'm about to share with you this morning is what God has given to me to say to you. Just like what God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he says, I want you to go tell the people. God says, listen, I want you to tell the people what I've given to you. And so this morning, with his help, that's all I'm going to do is share what God has given to me to give to you. Everybody with me this morning? All right, look at verse number four. Here we go. God says to him, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. You see what the Bible says there? God says, look, don't forget about all the things that I have done in the past for you as my people and how I have treated you, how I have delivered you, and how I have borne you up on eagles' wings and I've brought you through all of this so that I can bring you unto myself. This morning you're sitting here going, Pastor, I just... 
I'm struggling. I don't, I don't understand why God has me going through this. Why has God allowed this virus? Why has my work situation changed? Why has this happened with a loved one? Can I simply say this morning from the scriptures, God has allowed all of this to bring you to himself. That's what the Bible says here. When I look at this passage here in verse number four, Moses goes up to meet with God and Jehovah God reminds Israel of all the things that they have seen. Listen, can I tell you, if you've been saved for any length of time, whether it's a month, a year, 10 years or more, have you seen God work in your life? God says, listen, don't forget about all those things that I've done. Even though it may right now be a time of darkness, you don't understand what I'm doing and why you're going through this. Listen, let me remind you of all the things that I've done for you in the past. How quickly Israel, think about this, just short of three months, they had forgotten that. How do you forget a Red Sea experience? How do you forget God providing a furnishing a table in the wilderness? How do you forget those things? God says, look, I want you to remember Exodus chapter 14 and verse 31. Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Look, at the Bible says there that the people feared the Lord and they believed the Lord. Folks, listen, understand this morning that we ought not to fear man, but listen, there ought to be a reverence when it comes to God and just believe, even though you don't understand, you don't have to understand, you just need to believe in the Lord. That's what the Bible says they did. Let's see, we're all like Israel. <laughs> we're just like them. We forget the marvelous things that God has done. It's sad how many times we overlook the goodness of God towards us. So this morning, I want you to understand or try to understand the way that the Lord works in our lives. And I want you to see here in Exodus 19 that God, first of all, as we give the introduction this morning, the Lord gives us the meaning of life. The Bible says that God brought his people to himself on eagle's wings. The meaning of life, here it is, write it down, is to bring you to himself, to bring you to God. The Lord explained to Moses while he was up on Mount Sinai that God had called him down to Egypt to go to that place where they were in bondage to lead God's people out. God didn't bring them to a land. God always brings us to a person. God brought them to himself. Exodus 19, verse 4, look at it again. God says, I, and then notice, I brought you unto myself. God wants us to know him. God wants us to come to him. Say, Pastor, I'm at church or I'm at home watching the services. Really, listen, the Bible says that Moses went up to God. Do you know that even though we cannot go up a mount this morning and meet with God, that we can boldly come into the presence of God? We, we can approach the throne of God. We can spend time with the same God that Moses spent time with up on Mount Sinai. God wants us to know him. Paul wrote these words, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Did you hear those words? Paul's goal in life 
was what? That he would know the Lord, that he would come unto the Lord. That's the meaning of life, folks. It's not so that we can have a bunch of money in the bank. It's not so that we can do this or do that. It's so that we can know God and we can come unto God. That's the meaning of life. How well do you know him today? I know for almost 20 years of my life, I knew of him, but I didn't know him. There's a difference. See, I heard all about him, but he wasn't in my heart. He wasn't my savior. He wasn't my Lord and my God, as Thomas said. Many people say they know the Lord. They have a head knowledge and not a heart knowledge. And once we realize in our lives that God brought us to himself, God wants us to come to him, we should look for the Lord in all things in our lives every day and everything that we do, everywhere we go, we should look for him. Why? Because God is working all things together for good. All things. God's working all things. Look at the Bible says in Philippians 2, it is God which worketh in you. What is God working? Look at it. To will and to do of his good pleasure. God wants to work in your life. And oftentimes, look, don't forget the verse. The Bible says that his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher. We're going to take a look at those higher ways this morning, but I want you to see again this morning from Exodus 19 that God gives us the meaning of life, but then I also want you to notice in Deuteronomy chapter 32 that God also helps us to understand and find the method that God uses to accomplish the meaning of life. Now, now listen, don't lose me this morning. The meaning of life is what? That we could know him and that we could come to him. So how does that happen? How, how can we come to him? How can we know him? God actually gives us in, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 how we can understand the method that God would use. This is how God works. God is working to bring all things to pass. Look at these verses there in your outline, Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a way in the waste howling wilderness he led him about he instructed him he kept him as the apple of his eye as an eagle stirreth up her nest fluttereth over her young spreadeth abroad her wings taketh them beareth them on her wings so the lord alone did lead him i want you to notice there how God works. Notice those words there, as an eagle, so the Lord. Listen, as an eagle, so the Lord. Let's say that together. As an eagle, so the Lord. God uses this wonderful illustration here in Deuteronomy 32 to help us understand the method God uses to bring us to himself, all right? You with me this morning? So I want you to see this, because God wanted, at this particular time on Mount Sinai, God wanted Moses to understand, and he wanted Moses to go tell the people so that they could understand what the meaning of life was. The meaning of life is not about living it for ourselves. The meaning of life is 
that we can know him, that we can come closer to him. Well, how is that possible? God gives us a method. Look at Psalm 90 and verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Brother Flynn said it this morning in Sunday school. He said, listen, he says, before God even created, God already was working to bring us to himself. God had us on his mind. And Moses here, when he thought about these words that God was sharing with him on Mount Sinai, Moses thought back to his life and he thought about the lesson, the great lesson that he learned from his mother. Remember the story of his mother and how she placed him in that river there. She placed him in a basket among those bulrushes. Hey, listen, he knew that he was in that basket, but ultimately Moses knew that he wasn't in that basket. He was in the hands of God. He learned that lesson. And later on in his life, as he was taken, remember Pharaoh's daughter spotted him in that basket in the bulrushes, and she took that, that basket out of the water there and, and, of course, then worked it out for his mother. And, of course, that was all God's plan. But, but listen, he learned that when Pharaoh's daughter found him, that, that he was not in Pharaoh's palace alone, and certainly he spent time in the palace, but he was really not just in the palace, he was in the hands of God. I think about how, he, how now he's a 40-year-old man in the Word of God, and the Bible records that Moses on the backside of the desert. And here he is on the backside of the desert. He learned that he was not just in a dry desert land. He learned that he was still in the hands of God. Are you getting it this morning that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what's going on in your life, you have been and you still are in the hands of God. And that's what he sees here, how God was working in his life all along. As an old man, Moses could now see that God had been in everything. I look back over my life and I realize how God has been there every step of the way in my life. Even this trip that we went to see my mom, I saw God's hand in that trip and all the things that came together. Look, the, the, we, just like Moses, we need to understand this morning, just like God was reminding him to remind them of all the things that had happened. Why did all those things happen? So that the Lord could bring them unto himself. So what is the method that God uses? Remember that statement, as the Lord, as, as the eagle, so the Lord? Go back one. As the eagle, so the Lord, all right? That's what I want you to think about. Notice, first of all, as the eagle, so the Lord builds. As the eagle, so the Lord builds. Now, look, when you study this, and I spent a lot of time going over some things about eagles, and hopefully there's no eagle aficionado here this morning. Um, and so if I get anything wrong, you can see me in secret after the service and say, Pastor, you were wrong about this. But, but I thought about this, how the Lord said, if just the way the eagle works, he says, that's the way I'm going to work. Notice again, as an eagle, so the Lord. So as an eagle, so the Lord builds. What do eagles do? They go up uh, on a high elevation, oftentimes a, a rocky cliff away from any other animals. No one can get to their their, their nests that they're about to build for their young ones. They find the perfect location, some high rocky place. The eagle takes the greatest of care to build. She's thinking about her young ones and building this nest. And she begins to gather branches and, and things that would create a structure. And then she begins to look for things that are softer. She even uses some of her feathers 
She makes that, that nest a, a nice home. She pads it as well as she can. She makes it to where they're comfortable, and, and she prepares it with tender, loving care. Does this describe to you our God? How God begins to build in our lives, how God begins to prepare us, how God thinks about every last detail, all the tender, loving care that God puts into our lives, just like that eagle, so the Lord builds. This process of building goes on, and it goes on. Oftentimes, for the life of this eagle, it will, it will continue. And listen, this morning when I thought about the eagle and I thought about the Lord, I, I thought about how it is God who builds us, not we ourselves. See, that's a problem with man-centered thinking. Because it's all what I can get out of life. It's all how many rungs I can climb on the ladder. It's all about status. Hey, listen, I'd much rather let God build my life than me build it. Because oftentimes people build on the wrong materials and then the storms come and the sands wash away because the foundation was not solid. We need to build on the right things. God is building us. But the best thought this morning, watch this, is God's not finished yet. Some of you, I look around, I'm not going to say your age. Some of you are thankful that I'm not going to. But you know what I love is, is as I see some that might be, might be farther down life's uh, road than I am, that I can still see God working in your life, God building in your life. It's because God's not done with us yet. See, I really believe that when the Lord's done, that he'll call us home. But God still has a plan. Brother Flynn and I, we talked a couple months back, this whole virus thing came and Brother Flynn said to me, Pastor, whenever you're ready, he says, I'm ready to teach. Hey, listen, all of us need to have that spirit as a 900-year-old person. <laughs> you know what that is? That's the spirit of Caleb. Study the Bible. I want that mountain. See, many times in our lives, we think, God's done with me. That's in your head. God's not through with us. Look what the Bible says here in Philippians chapter 1. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Have we seen the day of Jesus Christ? No. That means God is going to continue to work. God's going to continue to build in your life. God still has something for us. And the Bible says, accept the Lord. Build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Look, as an eagle, we must allow the Lord to do the building in our lives. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder this morning, would you allow God to build your life? How are you doing with it? I'd much rather let the Lord. See, as an eagle, so the Lord builds. But watch this, when you think about an eagle and you follow their life, not only as an eagle, so the Lord builds, but watch this one, as an eagle, so the Lord breaks. Say, so what are you talking about? Well, you go back to the verse there, and the Bible says here, look at it again. It says, as an eagle stirreth up her nest. 
Oh, we're, we're real good about making sure that the air conditioner's on, that the seats are comfortable. Some of you, I can tell, you've been sitting long enough right now, you got that glazed look on your eyes. Pastor, don't get any louder. You might wake me up. We like to be comfortable. We don't like to be uncomfortable. That's why some people don't go to church is because when they go to church, God starts to convict them about sin in their lives. That makes them uncomfortable. So the Bible says here that as the eagle stirreth up her nest, look, we all enjoy life being comfortable. Life is just right. The mother eagle, she loves her little eagles or eaglets and she longs to be near them. She wants to be, as you see on the picture there, in the nest with them, but she knows that they were not born, listen to me, they were not born to stay in that nest. They were born to fly. God didn't save you to sit and sour and soak in a church. A lot of Christians are used to be Christians. Well, I used to serve in the nursery. I used to sing in the choir. I used to be an usher. I used to go soul winning. God says, look, maybe what I need to do, because you've gotten a little comfortable, is maybe I need to stir up the nest. (laughs) I mean, you think about what this mother eagle does. She has to do something that she knows, listen to me, She knows it's painful. So what does she do? Just like you see that mother eagle right there on that picture. She begins that nest that she was building so carefully. She begins to remove sticks. She begins to break sticks so that there are pointed edges. She begins to move some of the padding. Why in the world would she do this? Because if she doesn't make them uncomfortable, they're just going to sit there. They're never going to get out of the nest. Think about how many 30 and 40-year-olds are still living with mama today. Look, there comes a time where everyone needs to fly. God says, look, I I didn't save you just to be comfortable in life. As Christians, I don't know about you, But I know this, just like Paul said, I have not yet apprehended in my life there is still so much that God wants me to do. And I'm glad that God doesn't let me get comfortable as a Christian. That he stirs me up all the time. And listen, when he does, oftentimes it's painful. Because I'm just like you, we're creatures of habit. I enjoy being comfortable. When life is going just right. But what does she do? She removes soft things and position sticks so that they're poking them and now it becomes uncomfortable there's nowhere to find a seat and she begins to try to get her little baby eaglets to look beyond the nest to realize there's life beyond this nest can i tell you there's life beyond this church oh don't get me wrong i love the church jesus loved the church he gave himself for it but there's a world out there going to hell There are people that do not know Christ as their Savior. And God says, look, what do I have to do to bring you to myself and stir you up once again? I love what somebody said. God is in disturbances just as much as he is in deliverances. 
Christians oftentimes get content to just sit and do nothing until the Lord comes back. Don't you want to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Look what it says in Romans 13. And that knowing the time. I'm not going to ask you if you're reading your Bible, if you know the word of God. People are saying, boy, this is happening, this is happening. Look, I'm not here to predict, but I'll tell you this. We ought to know the time that now it is high time that we awake out of sleep, for now is your salvation near. Listen, you are closer to heaven today than you were the day you got saved. The Bible says here, now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Look, I'm going to tell you this morning, just like that eagle who loves her eaglets, God loves you this morning. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. God loves you, but I will tell you this, that just like that eagle, God will stir things up in your life just like the eagle does. And we might ask ourselves, well, why are these things happening in my life? And why aren't things going smoothly? Because God has more that he wants to do in your life than he's already done in the past. God has something new. Look at Psalm 57 and verse 1. Be merciful, he prays, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all, look at this, who performeth all things for me. God's working together, all things together for good. And the psalmist says, look, until these things be overpassed, these calamities be overpassed. He says, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. For every task that God gives to us, God anoints us with his spirit. God helps us by his spirit to do the job. Look what it says in Acts 13. And the disciples, the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, this was after the Lord had ascended to be with the Father on the right hand of God. The Bible says they were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. You see, God is building in our lives, but when we get comfortable as his children, God will start to break things up to make us uncomfortable. See, as an eagle, so the Lord builds. As an eagle, so the Lord breaks. Notice then, as an eagle, so the Lord broods. Say, Pastor, where'd you get that word from? Well, if you look at that passage in the Bible, go back to it. Verse 11, it says, As an eagle fluttereth over her young. It literally means, if you look it up, the root word there that you see in the Hebrew means to brood over, to watch over, to hover over. That's what a mother does. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've watched my wife, I watch my daughters now with their children. And they're always watching their children. A mother watches her young. God says, look, just like an eagle 
is watching over her little ones, God is watching over you today. The Lord is watching over us. And when we're having problems and when we're having difficulties in our lives, we wonder many times, and shame on us sometimes, we wonder to ourselves, where is God in all of this? Why would God let this happen? We start to think maybe like Job, and I'll tell you this morning, we may not understand all of what God is doing, but I'll tell you this with all certainty, and as Paul wrote, all confidence, that God will see us through it. God will see us through it. Look at Isaiah writes here in Isaiah 43. I love these words. When thou passest through the waters, God says, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, notice, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Hey, listen, if I could, if I could have an interview this morning with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think they'd say, that's the verse right there. That's our life's verse because we went through that furnace and they heated it seven times hotter than it had ever been heated. And guess what? We not only came out with all our hair, we didn't even smell like smoke. God says, listen, when you go through these things, he says, I will be with you. God's watching over us. See, as an eagle, so the Lord broods over us. When I think of that mother eagle up there in, in that nest at a high elevation and she's the eaglets are watching mom and they're watching mom do something. What is mom trying to do? Mom is trying to get their attention. Hey, think about this this morning. Many times, and I would never wish this on anyone, but many times because God cannot get our attention, God will do something in our lives to get our attention. I see this in the Bible sometimes. Remember how there was a day in the Old Testament when man decided that they were going to build a tower and get up to God? Remember what God did? God disrupted their building program, did he not? God confounded their languages. You see, God will disrupt our plans. And notice in the Bible how God got their attention, how God speaks to us through other people. Remember, remember the, 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 the Old Testament Eli and how uh, he had a young man by the name of Samuel, uh, Hannah's little boy, and, and, and Samuel had come to spend time there in the temple and, and she had promised this child if God gave her a son back to the Lord. And remember how God began to speak to Samuel and he couldn't get sleep and he kept going to Eli. And finally, Eli, after two or three times, realized it might be God speaking to you. He says, listen, next time you hear that voice, he said, speak, Lord. See, God will get our attention through other people. God will get our attention by using unusual blessings. You ever had an unusual blessing? In the Bible, I find one where, where Elijah is sitting by the brook, and he's being fed by ravens. That's pretty unusual. Birds don't share food. And if you look it up, ravens are actually a dirty, nasty bird. But I don't think Elijah said, oh, no thanks, not hungry. No. He realized that God had sent those birds and it got his attention. God will use unusual blessings. How about this? God ever told you no? Sometimes God will. We ask God for something and God will tell us no. Remember when David, David uh, felt so sick 
uh, because of his sin and because Bathsheba was with a child and God begged that God would not take the life of the child. The child was sick and what happened? The child died. God told David no. God got David's attention. God uses disappointments. I just mentioned Hannah. Hannah didn't have a child. Hey, listen, all the women, all of her friends, they all had families, they all had children. Hannah didn't have one child to herself, and she prayed and asked God. God got her attention. I think about God using extreme circumstances to get our attention. Can you imagine what it was like for Moses to go up on that mountain and see a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't consumed? That'd get my attention. God uses extreme circumstances to get our attention. He, he allows defeat sometimes to happen. Remember the, Joshua and the children of Israel, and they tried to go into Ai, and they lost the battle. God allows defeat sometimes to happen in our lives. God allows loss of possessions to get our attention. Remember how Job, Job had it all. He was the Sam Walton of his day. Had everything life could ask. And he lost it all. God got his attention. I think about how God allows tragedies. I go back to Job. Job had lost not just his cattle, not just his wealth, but he lost all of his children. The Bible tells us there that Job sat down in ashes. He was afflicted with sores all over his entire body. Scraping his sores with a piece of pottery. God got his attention. What's it going to take for God to get your attention? Because, look, as an eagle, the Lord builds. But as an eagle, the Lord breaks. As an eagle, the Lord broods. God gets our attention one way or the other. And when God gets our attention, even this morning, or maybe in the days ahead, when God gets your attention, what are we to do? Respond to him. That's why we still have an invitation. A lot of churches have given up on it. Pastor, isn't that old-fashioned? No, last time I checked the Bible, Jesus said, Come, come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hey, listen, an altar is a place of dying. An altar is a place, excuse me, where you can, you can lay your, your life, your burdens down, and you can come to the Lord. Look, this mother eagle, here she was, and she was caring for them. And the Bible tells us here that she was watching over these, that she was fluttering over them. She was flying there by the nest in the air. And these, these young ones, they're watching their mother and they're thinking to themselves in their little hearts, uh, could we ever do what mom's doing? Could we ever fly like mom is flying? Can we ever live the life? And look, can I tell you this morning that, that eaglets don't learn to fly by watching each other. They learn to fly by watching mom. And as Christians, we don't learn to fly. We don't learn to be a Christian by watching other Christians. We learn to be a Christian by looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. See, there are... No doubt, heartbreaking things that happen in our lives. And many times, we think those are bad things. 
But God is using those things so that we would turn our attention to him. Remember what the meaning of life is? It's to bring us to himself. And God uses these methods. He builds and he breaks and he broods over us. The Bible says in Proverbs 5.21, the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. Look, we are never alone, the Bible says. We are never forsaken by our God. And so as we think about this this morning, yes, the Lord is building in our lives. And when we get comfortable, God begins to break things up. But listen, he is always watching over us. He is brooding over us. But notice here, as an eagle, so the Lord bears. The Bible says here that, again, that he bears us up on his wings. That, that mother eagle, boy, she had a job. You see this picture here. This is a real picture of, of how an eagle would, would eventually get the little ones out of the nest. And it's, it's quite interesting. I, I'll just relay with you what I found as I studied this out. But uh, th this is a big job for a mother. You have to understand, I remember, I, here's kind of the way I put it. Any of you remember the day that you taught your children how to drive an automobile? I mean, my daughter's here this morning. I'm sure she remembers. We drove way out on the east side of town. I mean, we went out where no man liveth. <laughs> Remember that? We were way out there. I thought, I, I want to be out here. That The only thing she can run into is a cactus. We got out there, and I mean, we drove around, and I could tell. I could tell that I was driving her crazy. I thought, this is not working. She's over there saying amen. So we drove back into town, and we were a couple blocks from where our house was, and there was a school there, and there was, of course, no school in session at that time. And <clears throat> it was her car. She bought a car that had a manual transmission. <laughs> not only did she not know how to drive, but she didn't know what a manual transmission was. And so I was trying to not only teach her how to drive, but teach her how to shift. And so we would, we would drive through that parking lot. We'd come out on the street, come back up, and we just kept doing like a loop. It wasn't like the Indianapolis 500, but it was close. Everything was left turns. No right turns. Had a couple places where we could stop. I don't know how many times we went around that loop. And finally, I could just tell she was so flustered. I was so flustered. My hair was falling out. I was aging, and so I said to her, I said, stop the car. And so she stopped the car, <clears throat> brought it to a stop. She re really didn't understand the clutch, the clutch. <clears throat> I got out of the car, and I started to close the door, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to go right over there on that curb and sit down, and you're going to drive the car. I'm going to what? I said, you're going to drive the car. So I sat down on the curb, and she did the same thing. She went out, come around, went out, came. You know, she actually got better at it. I mean, she kept popping the clutch, and the car was going like that, you know, but she eventually started to get it. To this day, if I ride in the car with her, she gets nervous. She's been driving a car for all these years. You can ask her afterwards. She'll tell you the truth. So here's the thing is, the, the mother eagle... When she takes those baby eagles out of the nest, that's a big job. See, once they get over the edge of that nest, they have to fly. 
So you can see this little eaglet falls out of the nest and for the first time trying to get the little bitty wings to work, you know, and just about the time it, it starts to get a little confidence, it starts to fail, it starts to fall. What does mama do? She doesn't let them fall to their death. She swoops down and she bears them up on her wings. She brings them back to the height. And then you know what she does? She gets out of the car. She dumps them. And they start again. And if they start to fall and fail, she swoops down and she brings it. She will do that as many times as she needs to. What a beautiful picture of God. God's not the God of a first chance or a second chance. How many times have you and I fallen? And God has been there every time to pick us up. I love this thought here. As an eagle, so the Lord bears. I mean, they flap their wings and they begin to falter. She sees them. She swoops down. She spreads her great wings and she bears them up. Then she removes those wings. And look, what is she teaching those little baby eagles? She's teaching them to exercise faith to fly. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 10. Now the just shall live by what? Faith. But if any man draw back, my soul hath no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Many Christians have never realized why they are saved, why they've been born again. Look, we are not born again just to sit in some church house. Look at the Bible says in 1 John 2, 6, He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. See, when we fall, our Heavenly Father is there. Why? To bear us up on eagle's wings. Isaiah 46 and verse 4. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to whore hairs, that's gray hair, if anybody doesn't know what that means. Some of you don't have to worry about gray hairs. But he says here, look at it, even to whore hairs will I carry you. Did you hear that? You might be saying, look, Pastor, I'm, I'm way beyond three score and ten years. Even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. What a great verse. God says, look, it doesn't matter how long you've been one of my children. He says, when you start to exercise faith, some of you right now are struggling with giving to the Lord. The just shall live by faith. That doesn't mean only in the good times. Exercise faith. And God says, I will carry you. I will bear you. I will deliver you. When we think that we're not going to make it, you know what happens? God sees us through. God will see us through. I have found that I can only fall so far in my life as a Christian until God will come down and he will pick me up Look what the psalmist said, the Lord upholdeth all that fall and riseth all those that be bowed down. There, look, here's something I found to be interesting. And, and again, I tried to check as many sources as I can. They claim in all the recorded studies of eagles, researchers have never found that even one eaglet 
Not one has ever fallen to its death because it was not caught by its mother. And do you know that the Bible says that God will not let one of his promises fall to the ground? And he also said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, we are safe and secure because as an eagle, so the Lord. I love the the picture here how as a child of God, we are safe. God will take care of us. Look, the songwriter wrote, be not dismayed, whate'er be tied. God will take care of you beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you no matter what may be the test. God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his breast. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. We sing that song all the time. I really wonder if we believe what we're singing. God will take care of us. He will take care of us in every way. And God was telling Moses up on that mountain, he said, look, I want you to understand, Moses, what the meaning of life is. The meaning of life is that I want to bring you unto myself. But you also need to understand that I'm going to use some methods to accomplish that. And God says, here they are. Like an eagle, he says, I'm going to build in your life. And when you get comfortable and you no longer need me, then I'm going to start breaking things up. But he says, I want you to know that even though I make things uncomfortable, I am always watching over you. And when you start to exercise faith and you start to fall, I will bear you up and bring you to the heights that you can be with me. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning? How many of you with a raised hand would say, I know, Pastor, that the Lord has been working in my life. Would you raise your hand? God's been working. I see hands all over this auditorium. Isn't it nice to know that God is working in us? God is not through with us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning to this. But I want you to think about this. Has God had to break some things up in your life to get your attention? So that you would take your eyes off of yourself and put them back on him. That's, That's America right there. America is fat. America doesn't need God. What about the Christian? See, I think we get to where we're just comfortable. Oh, been to church Sunday morning. Check that off. Did you just come to church or did you go up the mount unto God? many of you do find great comfort this morning knowing that where you are in life no matter what's happening that God is brooding over you God is hovering over you would you raise your hand this morning I find great comfort that God is watching over me and I think every one of us could say this morning there's been many times I know in my life many times 
that I've exercised faith. And just like Peter, when he stepped out the boat, I start to falter. And you know what the Lord did for Peter? Out. He didn't let Peter go under. He didn't hold Peter under for a while. No, he raised him up. So the Lord bears up. But why does God do all that? Why does God use those methods? To bring us to himself. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? The piano's playing. The altar's open this morning. Why don't you come to the Lord today? Dear Christian, God has spoken this morning. Why don't you step out this morning? Why don't you come this morning and say, Lord, thank you for still working in my life. God, I don't want to be a, a done Christian. Some of you this morning, maybe you ought to come and say, Lord, you got my attention today. There's some things that I've been allowing to take place of you in my life. God's been breaking some things up. Some of you ought to just come and say, thank you for being the God of all comfort. God, you have comforted me through some very difficult days. Some of you at home watching, you ought to get on your face right there by your couch, wherever you're at in your house, and thank God for his comfort. If you're here today, this morning, I think all of us could say, boy, there's been so many times that I've been, a, I've been as a Christian, I've been weak. I haven't been exercising faith in God. But I sure am glad that I have a God that when I do fall, that he bears me up on his majestic eagle wings. Thank God for that. If you need to be saved today, if you don't know the Lord that I've been speaking about, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, according to the Bible, you're on your way to a crisis eternity. The Bible says you're condemned already. See, we're born sinners. You cry out and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me of my sin? Come into my heart and be my Savior. And again, the promise is this, that all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, God won't let any of his children spend eternity without him. Jesus said that where I go, he says, there ye may be also. 
Heaven's going to be a sweet place because we will finally be united with the Lord. If you need to be saved, please give us the opportunity after the service this morning to talk with you about that. We'll take the Bible and show you. We'd love to do that. Lord, thank you for this morning. We pray that you'd bless. God, thank you so much for helping Moses to understand the meaning of life and the methods you use. And then Moses could share that with the people. This morning, you gave me that privilege to share those same methods to help us to understand the meaning of life that's still the same. And that is that we can know you and we can come to you. Thank you for being a God that we can know and that we can approach in Jesus' name. Amen.